The Clean Power Hour is brought to you by CPS America, the maker of North America's number one three-phase string inverter. With over six gigawatts shipped in the U.S., the CPS America product lineup includes three-phase string inverters ranging from 25 to 275 kW. Their flagship inverter, the CPS 250-275, is designed to work with solar plants ranging from 2 megawatts to 2 gigawatts. The 250-275 pairs well with CPS America's exceptional data communication, controls, and energy storage solutions. Go to chintpowersystems.com to find out more. We definitely see that there is, uh, there are players like Banyan, and we love Banyan. We think they're developing a neat product out there that's going to uh, really help transactions be more efficient through this broader theme that we've talked about. How can you keep people uh, and do things faster leveraging technology? You know, we're really focused on tax credit transfers because we think that there's a lot of effort that needs to be able, to, uh, that needs to be focused uh, specifically on this issue as a wedge into climate finance um, as a way to deploy more capital. Are you speeding the energy transition? Here at the Clean Power Hour, our hosts Tim Montague and John Weaver bring you the best in solar, batteries, and clean technologies every week. Want to go deeper into decarbonization? We do too. We're here to help you understand and command the commercial, residential, and utility solar, wind, and storage industries. So let's get to it. Together, we can speed the energy transition. Today on the Clean Power Hour, the IRA, ITC. You know, the ITC, the investment tax credit, was going to step down to 22% in 2023. But we got the IRA in 2022, which increased it to 30%. It's a very generous incentive. And now there's this blossoming of platforms to support that and make your life easier as a solar professional or energy professional. My guest today is Basis Climate. The co-founders, Derek Silverman and Eric Underwood, have created a platform for tax credit, for a tax credit market. I almost got it right. Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. I look forward to uh, geeking out on tax credits and this platform that you've created. Thanks, Tim. Do us a favor, though, and introduce yourselves. Why don't you go first, Eric, and then Derek and... Um, how did you get interested in clean energy? And then why did you start Basis? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I you know, have spent my entire career working in renewable energy. I left undergrad and started as a developer at a utility scale wind and solar uh, developer. And I quickly pivoted into project finance at that company. And so for me, you know, I was always really interested in, you know, how do you deploy more clean energy? What are the tools and players that you need to be able to do that? And so I have worked in various roles at developers, um, and then I worked as an investment banker in clean energy at Marathon Capital. And particularly in my time there, I kind of started seeing patterns and I started looking at, you know, that it was still a very manual process that, you know, clean energy finance still had a lot of ways that it could start leveraging and using technology uh, to be able to deploy capital faster, but it wasn't. Um, and so, you know, I've been friends with Derek for a long time and we, you know, had been talking about what we can do to sort of blend technology and uh, energy project finance together. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I come from a very different background technology background, software engineer, um, joined my brother at a startup that was acquired by Facebook. Uh, so I spent three years at the startup and then we were acquired. 
Um, we worked on something totally different, uh, social media analytics for news organizations. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, had a wild ride at Facebook and knew when I was done there that I wanted to get into renewables, climate change, some aspects of that. And um, I, I landed at Rewiring America for about a year and a half. Um, a rewiring is, if you don't know it, is an electrification nonprofit. Um, they 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 really helped push uh, various provisions into the IRA around electrification uh, rebates for electrification for low and middle income households, as well as more tax credits uh, for individuals beyond just solar, uh, but also for heat pumps for water heaters, electric water heaters, uh, EV chargers, like a, a long gamut of electrification equipment. And so there, close to the policy th- team, transferability uh, piqued my interest. And because we're talking with Eric, I was like, Eric had been identifying all these things he wanted to do with technology and improve project finance. And transferability seemed like that wedge issue where we could really leverage technology to open up this market. And I, I forgot to mention, Eric, I've known each other forever. We went to Wesleyan University together. We were undergrad, great friends in undergrad. And so, you know, we've been we've been friends ever since. And so we go back a long ways. That's cool. I um, let's let's just uh, get some of the nuts and bolts on the table here. You talk about tax credit transfer. So there's a there's a capital project. Let's just say a solar project. Right. Uh, let's say it's a small commercial project. It's, uh, you know, $100,000, $30,000 or $33,000, uh, give or take is, is now eligible for a tax credit. And some companies cannot leverage that. They don't have a tax liability. Um, and that includes for-profits and non-profits. And so we should also discuss if this is relevant for non-profits, uh, and, and so when you, when you can use the tax credit, you can use it in year one, or you can spread it out over 20 years. And then um, it is transferable, meaning you can sell that tax credit to somebody else who has a tax liability and wants to reduce their tax burden and participate in the clean economy at the same time, right? It's kind of a win-win. There's all kinds of tax credits, I'm sure, in the world. But am I am I defining this correctly, or what else should our listeners know about this? Yeah, I would just say generally when we're talking about t- uh, transferable tax credits, you're not talking about individuals. And so I know a lot of your listeners are out there uh, selling, uh, installing uh, solar equipment to individuals for uh, homes or you know, in, um, sure, you know, residential projects. For these credits that are transferable, it's for corporate tax credits, and so it's in a case where there's a uh, regional developer or installer that now wants to own the assets and maybe and sign a lease with the uh, the uh, property owners. Uh, and in those cases, they can sell the tax credit. So if a corporation uh, owns the tax, uh, owns the solar facilities in this example, they can transfer those tax credits to another corporation that has tax liability. And we're here to help make that happen between corporations. But this applies to the host as well, right? If I'm buying a solar, if I'm a company buying a, a commercial solar facility, like I said, uh, I have a tax credit that I may or may not be able to use. Uh, are we not talking about that? Yes, exactly. If you're a business that has the, if you're a business that's installing, if you're a grocery store, let's say in Idaho, and you're installing yeah. solar on your rooftop, you can sell the tax credit uh, to a corporate that or a business that does have 
that tax liability. And so that's how it can help. Yeah. And historically, yeah, just to jump in. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, just one clarification. It's like, you know, really, it's a business tax credit. So it's really the, 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 key, the, the, easiest buyer to sell it to is a corporation. Um, you know, there's a lot of, it's very complicated to sell it to individuals. They, they, they often won't qualify, but really it's, it's a business tax credit. So you can be an LLC and S corp um, generating that credit. Yeah. I don't know why you guys went to the whole personal thing. I, I, I my, my audience is solar professionals, uh, including residential installers, but but there's this whole ecosystem of my audience, which is commercial, industrial, and community solar and utility solar. So anyway, um, and then there's and then there's direct pay for nonprofits. So nonprofits don't have uh, don't pay taxes, but they and and historically this was a problem, right? Because uh, the ITC historically did not really apply to nonprofits, and so generally they were going to do third party ownership projects. Now we have something called direct pay. And, and so they can just receive that uh, tax credit as a lump sum payment. Now, obviously, if they're, if they're going to receive a lump sum payment, they're not going to be interested in probably selling or trading that. But um, I, I don't know. Does the nonprofit world factor in here at all? So I think we, one of our primary purposes is to find buyers and make it help with the transaction. We definitely think the work we're doing is applicable to direct pay. Just making sure that those that you're getting your ducks in a row, you're setting yourselves up for success when you do go apply for the direct pay. A lot of the same paperwork and questions that buyers ask, the government's going to ask for too. So we we do expect to be able to support direct pay, but it's not where we're focused our attention. Sure, is really discovering buyers, educating those buyers, and then really making it possible to transact with. Uh, a, a solar developer installer of any scale with corporates around the United States. Yeah. And then the other point of potential confusion is tax equity finance. L let's distinguish the world of tax equity finance from tax credits. Yeah. And I think this is interesting because a lot of people continue just to use tax equity for everything uh, in this universe. And for us, we're really focused on differentiating this. I mean, a tax equity transaction is you're bringing in an equity owner into the project and you're forming a very complex partnership that has, you know, a long history of 20 years of rules and, and uh, processes to sort of ensure that that uh, meets all the, you know, standards and requirements that the IRS has had over the years. But it's a complicated ownership process where you're bringing in a tax equity investor. We don't do tax equity at all because we think that there's a really great elegance in the simplicity of tax credit transfers. And so we're entirely focused on tax credit transfers, which is the simple sale of that tax credit from one business to another. Um, it's not easy. There's a whole process that we've had to develop and standardize over the last year. But what it means is that there's a really good differentiation between tax equity, which are these more complex partnership agreements, and tax credit transfers, which is the sale of the tax credit. Uh, and there's no partnership involved. Got it. So historically, there has been a market for uh, tax credits, for transferring tax credits, but it's been managed by the banking industry, is my understanding. And now, in a way, built or basis, excuse me, um, 
the website, by the way, is Build with Basis. And so you'll you'll hear me confusing Basis with Build. But anyway, Build with Basis. Um, so historically, banking banking industry. Now that we have Basis, you're kind of democratizing access to this. Uh, to this phenomenon, to this marketplace, right? If you have a big tax appetite, and let's say you're a solar developer and you're an IPP, you're you're in the business of accumulating assets, then uh, now you can just go to this platform and access credits from other projects and portfolios around the country. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, you you referenced IPP looking for credits. I think it's more likely the IPP might be listing projects with us. But even more so, for like we're, we're focusing on the, the full from small projects to big projects. We've done a $100 million transaction down to 600000 What we're really excited about is when, you know, the, um, a small scale developer doesn't feel the need to sell at NTP. You know, they look at the finances and they're like, I could be a long-term owner here. If, especially met with a, if I can facilitate a tax transfer at an X price and I, I don't need to like flip it to someone else to get to scale to really interact with the tax equity market because they can now do tax transfer at 500,000 to 5 million in that range and, and decide to be a long-term owner. Um, but to your point is we democratizing the access to the transfer tax credit market is 100% what we want to be doing and are doing. And it, it just gives a lot more optionality. And, and I think one of the things that like it can unlock more sales. If you are an installer and you go to that grocery store in Idaho and they don't have a tax liability, so kind of the conversation ends, you can go back to them and be like, we actually ha- we, can, we can monetize those tax credits a month after the project's placed in service at 85 cents. Uh, uh, on the dollar. Per dollar yeah. Price per credit on yep. the dollar. And, um, and, you know, we can use that to pay down your loan. And how, what do you think now? And we, we think that leads to a lot more deployments and more projects for, dev- for installers. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. So tell us more about the, the guardrails. Like, what, what is the sweet spot for the platform? What is the deal size? And who is your target audience? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's interesting because you know, in terms of our experience, we've done, like Derek said, a $100 million transaction. We've done a $60 million transaction. And we've also got, you know, 600,000, 1.2, 1.5, 3, $4 million transactions. So for us, when you look at it, we've been doing projects of all sizes, and I think we'll continue to. The key here is that we're taking the lessons learned from those large transactions that were our earliest transactions and starting to apply them to this framework that we've developed of smaller transactions. And that helps us operate a lot more efficiently and understand what are the key issues that a buyer on a large project is worried about, and is that going to apply to a smaller credit, right? For us, uh, you know there are transaction costs here that are really uh, that are really important to manage and get down. And so, you know, our favorite credit is this six hundred thousand dollar credit because it's the smallest one we've done so far. Uh, what do we need to do to establish a better framework for keeping uh, legal legal costs uh, under control, to keeping the diligence timeline and framework process uh, efficient, so that people aren't spending extra time and getting the transaction done in a month. Uh, we've got a lot of tools that we've done to establish with that. But for us, 
right now we're looking at you know any credit that's above five hundred thousand dollars, but we're eager to be able to go below that in time mm-hmm. uh, because that allows even more that long tail of DG and CNI uh, solar and storage to be uh, monetizing their tax credits. I mean, I have to say, when you're talking there, Eric, it, it hearkened, it made me harken back to my conversation with Amanda Lee at Banyan Infrastructure. They're they're creating a, kind of a parallel universe of a platform to make uh, to to reduce friction in deal flow, right? A platform yeah. that allows you to uh, store all your project information in an easy, accessible, easily shareable platform, uh, so that so that yeah, the information just flows, so to speak, and and doesn't get siloed, and there's and there's fewer points of friction. And, you know, in, in the pre-show, Derek, you mentioned that you, that, you know, Amanda. Um, so I guess what else should our listeners know, like about this and why, why is this a thing? Like, what was the pain point that made you guys go, oh, we need a platform for transferring tax credits? Yeah. I I mean, I think for, from our side, we definitely see that there is, uh, there are players like Banyan and we love Banyan. We think they're developing a neat product out there that's going to really help transactions be more efficient through this broader theme that we've talked about. How can you keep people uh, and do things faster leveraging technology? You know, we're really focused on tax credit transfers because we think that there's a lot of effort that needs to be able uh, that needs to be focused uh, specifically on this issue as a wedge into climate finance um, as a way to deploy more capital. For for tax credit transfers, there's a lot of processes that are out there and that there's a lot of players that are in the, in the space already, but you have to get them to you know, ch- change gears a little bit to be more efficient. And so, you know, we leverage stuff on our platform, we leverage stuff on other platforms. Um, for us, it's all about thinking, how can we get this transaction to be uh, fast, faster and more efficient? And I'll just jump in and say, like, we're using our tax money now to market these credits, really get them in front of people, get buyers, tax directors, CFOs of of mid-sized to large-scale corporations, and get them to start, like, learning and understanding the credits. Now, over time, we'd love for them to focus more of their attention on an insurance product, that we're, which is taking a lot of the risk. But they, they do need to know, you know, we want them to kind of feel and understand the projects. And that's what we can do through our listing pages. And the next, it's like, how do we get these transactions to be more efficient? And right now, lawyers send back checklists. I mean, this is Amanda Lee's point. It's like, they they all have a unique Excel document that is that is not up to date, that's not dynamic, that gets stale within 12 minutes. And they're just kind of flowing around and they're charging a, an arm and a leg to manage those transactions. So we're trying to like, you know, pull a bunch of that back out of the from the lawyers and manage that more efficiently with technology. Now, lawyers are still very important to these transactions, but we want to focus like we're on 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 the documents on like existential problems in in agreements or guarantees or indemnifications, not on the management of the transaction. We think we can do that better. The Clean Power Hour is brought to you by CPS America the maker of North America's number one three-phase string inverter, with over six gigawatts shipped in the U.S. The CPS America product lineup includes three-phase string inverters ranging from 25 to 275 kW. Their flagship inverter, the CPS 250-275, is designed to work with solar plants ranging from 2 megawatts to 2 gigawatts. 
The 250-275 pairs well with CPS America's exceptional data communication, controls, and energy storage solutions. Go to chintpowersystems.com to find out more. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, Derek, you come from the software side and and you worked in, uh, you know, big companies like Facebook. What's going on in the world of software? Uh, Because I've had some conversations recently uh, that, you know, kind of were eye-opening for me. Like that world is also quickly evolving. And what can you say? I'm not asking you to give away any trade secrets here, but what can you say about building a software as a service that is different today than it was five, 10 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, we wouldn't see ourselves as like truly software as a service, like in, in a business model, right? We're not charging a SaaS fee to use us. We, we ultimately now are, we're very focused on the transactions. And so it's, it's a success fee based off of matchmaking and a deal close. Um, but yes, I think your point is, is that uh, thing, you know, it's building a, a, a successful SaaS business is harder than ever. There's the, the platforms eat up the point solutions and uh, you people have raised way too much money. So, you know, we're, we're not we're not aggressively raising funds, nor do we think it needs lots. We, we don't need to spend 20 million dollars or 30 million dollars to build the software. We think you need to spend you know, real money, but it's a, it's, you can do it in a more efficient manner. And I think where you're also heading at is like, where's AI going to play a role here? And, you know, I think long-term we see AI playing a role at the simplest level is like, can we run through every project, every document you're building? If you're buying a portfolio of 50 residential uh, rooftop leases and the ITC is coming off that, can we check that every signature is there? without doing it manually. That should be something we could do in the next year to run through like, has everything been signed, signed by the right person? Great. And the next phase is, you know, what contextual awareness can we build into an AI model to to cut down on legal costs? And I'm not sure it's not gonna replace legal, uh, lawyers, but it can definitely make things more efficient. Um, yes, but there's, it, it's it's an evolving space and we wanna, we're, we're trying to keep up with what's happening in AI legal, and in, in the whole industry to to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. So let's walk. It means having a lot of data. And ultimately, we need to also capture a lot of data around these projects. There's so many different forms to to make to be really to be able to execute and actually have the AI mean something and do something meaningful. So let's walk our listeners through a transaction. Uh, you know, you've got you've got sellers, you've got buyers, but from when a seller posts something for sale, so to speak, what happens? How long does it take? And and uh, you know, I'm very keen to set expectations for potential users of the platform. Yep. So I can take that one. I think for us, you know, we spend a lot of time with both sides of the market, the buyers and the sellers. With the buyers, there's a lot of time spent educating them getting them to understand the transaction process and framework uh, and risk profile of these credits, uh, how to apply them to their to their tax liability. Um, but you know, for, for for us to be able to present those buyers with a standardized you know approach uh, of, uh, of opportunities, it's really providing a framework for sellers. So you know, when we are meeting with new clients, we uh, you know 
sign an NDA, we send out, you know, a request for, you know, summary information on the projects that are generating these credits to be able to be, you know, understand the profile, the valuation methods, uh, looking at uh, the timing of the credits, is the project already under construction or not? A summary of things there that can let us present those uh, opportunities of tax credits uh, in a sort of very standardized approach uh, to sellers or to buyers on our platform. Then the buyers are... Yeah, and, and and they're anonymized as well. So we'll say, you know, we won't say here's Dixieland, you know, solar. We'll say there's a solar project here in Missouri or something like that. Um, and that it talks about the this general size and timing that those credits will be available uh, once they complete construction. Uh, buyers then are able to look at all the credits on our platform um, and be able to sort of filter for whatever ones they like in terms of sizing or timing uh, or pricing as well. Uh, and then they're able to, uh, you know, request more information. In which case, uh, they would be able to get access to more information with seller's approval uh, on details of the project, um, and be able to then provide a term sheet and submit a term sheet for the sellers. Uh, and we're there throughout the entire process, so we're helping the buyers, uh, you know, understand what the term sheet should look like, what we can do there. Uh, we're trying to leverage tech as much as possible to keep this as you know smooth of a process as possible. Um, and then once the seller agrees to those terms, you know, we do think it's a very quick process uh, working to get to that to be done in a month, really, uh, presenting the tax credit, uh, you know, uh, terms from once they're signed to getting the diligence and the documentation all sorted. Uh, and again, we're there throughout the entire process because I think, you know, somebody needs to keep people focused on execution of the transaction in a fast and efficient manner. Um and, you know, once the tax credit signed, uh, you know, there's can be some differences in payment timing if the projects aren't already operational yet. Uh, you know, you'll have post-closing uh, payment commitments uh, for when those projects are operational or if there's a different commercial agreement that's met. Uh, and then, of course, we have the IRS registration process. All of these tax credits need to be registered on the IRS's website. Uh, we think we registered one of the earliest ones on the website. And so we're still working through. Uh, that you know registration number process, but it's now live for this tax season. And so that's been another big thing to sort of see the government support its framework so that we can interact with that with our transactions as well. Um, but then after that, it's done. The tax credit is transferred. You don't have that ongoing equity partnership. Uh, and so some buyers would like to know that the projects are still operating and owner uh, and, and qualified. These are key things. Uh, and we're here to help prepare that, you know, we're here to help with that uh, awareness and information transfer over the next few years uh, during the recapture period. But generally, it's a much faster and more efficient process than a large, complex tax equity deal. And soup to nuts, what 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 should a user? What should the expectation be that they might be able to make it? You know, complete a transaction, assuming everybody's ducks are in a row, so to speak. Like a best case scenario, how long does this take? Yeah, we're really trying to get these done within a month. We think that once you have the buyer identified uh, and you've uh, matched them with the credits, the credits are available, it can be done within a month because wow. the diligence process, again, is quite streamlined. We've got great tools. Uh, we have an eight-page uh, tax credit transfer agreement that we've been working on. Uh, I mean, this is significantly smaller than the multi-hundred-page tax equity partnerships. But again, it's still a very solid agreement that's been transacted on and that is doable. And so for us, uh, being able to keep people focused uh, to what are the key aspects of a tax credit transfer and how to get that done is is important. So what are the additional pain points that you're tackling? Because you mentioned an insurance product. I don't know what that's about. 
but where, where, how does this evolve as time goes on? Yeah. Great bringing up insurance. I wanted to bring it up earlier. Yeah. Buyers come into these transactions wanting almost no risk. They're like, we're, we're giving you our tax liability and we're going to give you cash. And we're not, you know, we're not investing in you. We are, we are buying these tax credits. So they want is they really want to de-risk this uh, as much as possible. And on smaller credits is where we're focused on attention. The counterparties, the business or the developer installer is often not, you know, rarely investment grade. And even, even in the, the up, upscale of the bigger markets, you still have a lot of midsize shops who are doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year and they're just not investment grade. So they, the buyers are seeking indemnifications and guarantees and the, these smaller shops really can't offer that. So that's where insurance steps in. You do a risk transfer to an insurance product. There's, it's a robust market to date, again, but it's been it's kind of built around larger transactions. It's really historically been there to do to the, the numbers to work on $10 million and plus transactions. Now the market's starting to evolve, the insurance market, but we we we're working on allowing to do one-off transactions at the five hundred thousand million dollar level where it can be insured um and at a at a reasonable within a reasonable premium, um, mm-hmm. that insurance I think is key because the counterparties are often weak. Uh, just, they're just, they aren't, it's not Google or Microsoft or mm-hmm. anyone like that. They, if some they're because of what could go wrong and recapture the project go offline um, or there's a sale, of the assets, they really want to be able to look to something to, to, to fill that hole. If there's a recapture. So we see insurance as almost, required on most of these transactions and the, if you if you talk to anyone who's on a transfer this year there's it's insurance was likely involved when you say recapture you, insurance market you you mean when you say recapture you mean the irs is clawing back the credit or yeah yeah within... so the, i was gonna say a recapture can happen for a number of reasons if the project goes offline you technically in you're in a state of recapture. It needs to stay on for five years. And every year, the the percentage that can be recaptured goes by by 20%. So if it goes offline in the final year, it's only 20% of your credit is at risk. Uh, um, you cannot sell the asset, and that means it cannot be foreclosed on. So people will will diligence your your debt to make sure you're going to stay way above that, and that's that's a low risk. Or seek a foreclosure, uh, sorry, a uh, forbearance. Um, and then just, you know, they're, as you interact with the IRS, this is the government's money. They, they're going to want to know that it qualifies and that the valuation of the project is correct. So those things kind of happen up front and those are, and don't like literally wouldn't, you know, wouldn't happen four years later. But, uh, these are things that, you know, you're, we're, we're worried about the IRS saying you owe us that money back and the buyers definitely are. Cool. I wonder if we could talk about a couple of case studies. You got some nice case studies on your on your website, but what? Give us an example of a concrete uh, project that your platform was successful in uh, transacting. Yeah, I can go. I mean, I think for us, there's two that I'd like to talk about: a larger one, and then we what we do want to talk about a smaller one. So, uh, we transacted a sixty million dollar ITC investment tax credit from a storage project that was built in California. Uh, it's public. The seller, um, it's on our website as well, had electric. 
Uh, that was a you know a great transaction because we were able to match them with a buyer who was looking for you know a large tax credit purchase this year that was looking for a project that was nearing the end of its construction period uh, and that was able to sort of dig in and diligence what that project looks like, but knowing that a lot of the risk around construction timing and costs were down uh, or cost variability of the construction uh, was was down. And so that transaction was uh, quite smooth for us. We were able to get it done. Um, in a few weeks, uh, it was more longer than our four-week target, but you know we're working on bringing that down. Uh, and that transaction was great because it allowed them to you know really define uh, that tax credit transfer. Uh, and we're also really happy because you know we're able to then uh, leverage the experience there with the different lawyers and sort of think about how do we make that faster, what do we do more efficiently here on the next ones uh, that we work on. Uh, I'd love, Derek. Do you want to talk about the the smaller credit transaction that we're working on as well right now? Because that one's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's always a joke that Eric, Eric's the big credit person, having worked in an investment bank, and I'm Mr. Small Credit. Uh, but yeah, so we have a $600,000 one we've referenced before. Um, it's between a relatively small buyer um, who I think is working with some um, taxable tax liability from individuals. And a, a and the seller is a based in Florida. It's a ground mount solar project um, that the... the the real estate firm built it for their tenant um, who had a large energy profile and they signed a behind the meter PPA. So, you know, they, they came to us with this project. It's, you know, very clean in a lot of ways. There's it's, it's at cost. It uh, they have a strong guarantee in, in the real estate company. And uh, you know, they really were, you know, they weren't super, focused on price. They just really wanted to get a transaction done as fast as possible. And so uh, it, it took until the portal opened, the seller, or sorry, the buyer wasn't keen to sign any term sheets until the IRS portal opened. But the moment that portal opened in December, term sheet got signed and uh, we're very close to a financial close. Legal costs looks like they're going to stay under $30,000. Um, there's been very minimal markup on the agreement itself. And uh, you know, all the signs we're hoping for and like getting on this learning curve to making this a rinse and repeat small transaction uh, process is is bearing is bearing out. Um, hasn't closed quite yet, but we're, you know, I think we're within a week. Cool. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I love stuff that's real. Like uh, when people a lot of people approach me with early stage companies and ideas and I'm like, well, you know, call me back when you've got something coming out of the ground. <laughs> That's proof is in the pudding. Like when you can actually get stuff done and built or transacted, then that's validation that there's a there there. And it sounds like you guys are off to the races. Um, what else should our listeners know about basis? Like what, where are you going? What do you need? Well, who are you hiring? Um, and, and what else should our listeners know? Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that's really interesting here uh, and, you know, we're basis climate, so we're not just basis solar or basis, you know, uh, storage tax credits, it's basis climate because the IRA also has a lot of different tax credits that are applying there. So for people that are in the broader space, you know, we're starting to work with more and more different types of credits. Uh, you're starting to see 45X domestic uh, advanced clean energy manufacturing tax credits. Uh, there's a lot of buzz right now about the new hydrogen uh, guidance rules for those hydrogen tax credits. So we're excited because in 2023, we were focused on 
you know, more core traditional areas of clean energy, which was wind, solar, and storage. Uh, we are excited to now expand beyond that into other areas of um, clean energy IRA qualifying tax credits. And so we're very open to having people come to us. Um, our team is growing. We have more than a half dozen people now. Uh, and, you know, we're really excited to bring solutions to the market uh, that are point solutions to problems that are there. So that insurance product is a really big one that we're working on right now. Uh, we're here to help people with the traditional insurance market as well. Uh, we're also here to, you know, look at what is your tax credit timing? How can you uh, bring yourself uh, to the market? When is the right time? And how do we help you think about the economics of the tax credit transfer earlier on. Um, so our doors are open. We're really excited to talk to people um, as they as they have opportunities that they're looking at monetizing. Well said, and yeah, I want to give the a- the best time to talk to- I, I was just going to jump and say the best time to talk to us is like maybe right after NTP. Like you're really moving forward, the project's being built. You know, if it's too early in the process, we don't have that much to talk about. If it's nine, 12 months out and it's a $2 million project, um, and the last thing is, is I'm particularly excited about how you qualify heat pumps plus solar. Um, that's a another, again, a new novel kind of ITC where you can, where we think is going to be in a, you know, from my experience at Rewind America and what it can do for electrification. It's like, if you can qualify the heat pump for as ITC, ITC eligible, because it's being powered by heat pumps, you're unlocking more projects. Uh, more electrification, and it's I think it's a boon to like the installer installer base um, who you know have had it's been a tough year last year with interest rates and and and, and giving them a, more equipment to sell that's that's uh, good good for the climate. Absolutely, and that. Sorry for cutting you off, Tim. And that's uh, and and that's a good reference point to my conversation with Jamie Score, who was the, who was the gentleman who introduced us. So thank you, Jamie, and. Um, this episode will drop slightly after our, my interview with, with Jamie. But um, I want to thank Derek and Eric with Basis Climate for coming on the show today. Check out all of our content at cleanpowerhour.com. Please give us a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And tell a friend about the show today. You can find me on LinkedIn or at cleanpowerhour.com. I love to hear from my listeners. So please connect with me. Reach out to me. I'm going to be in San Diego, so I hope to see all of you there uh, at InterSolar and RE Plus uh, Community Power. And with that, how can our listeners find you guys, Eric and Derek? Yeah, we're Basis Climate, but you can go to our website at buildwithbasis.com. And we've got forums right there to get in touch with us. Excellent. Well, I'm Tim Montague. Let's grow solar and storage. Hey, listeners. This is Tim. I want to give a shout out to all of you. I do this for you twice a week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us your time. I really appreciate you and what you're all about. Uh, you are part and parcel of the energy transition, whether you're an energy professional today or an aspiring energy professional. So thank you. I want to let you know that the Clean Power Hour has launched a listener survey and it would mean so much to me if you would go to cleanpowerhour.com, click on the About Us link right there on the main navigation that takes you to the About page, and you'll see a big graphic, Listener Survey. Just click on that graphic, and it takes just a couple of minutes. If you fill out the survey, I will send you a lovely baseball cap with our logo on it. 
The other thing I want our listeners to know is that this podcast is made possible by corporate sponsors. We have Chin Power Systems, the leading three-phase string inverter manufacturer in North America. So check out CPS America. But we are very actively looking for additional support to make this show work. And you see here our media kit with all the sponsor benefits and statistics about the show. You know, we're dropping two episodes a week. We have now over 320,000 downloads on YouTube, and we're getting about 45,000 downloads per month. So this is a great way to bring your brand to our listeners, and our listeners are decision makers in clean energy. This includes project executives, engineers, finance, project management, and many other professionals who are making decisions about and developing, designing, installing, and making possible clean energy projects. So check out cleanpowerhour.com, both our listener survey on the About Us and our media kit, and become a sponsor today. Thank you so much. Let's grow solar and storage. The Clean Power Hour is brought to you by CPS America, the maker of North America's number one three-phase string inverter. With over 6 gigawatts shipped in the U.S., the CPS America product lineup includes three-phase string inverters ranging from 25 to 275 kW. Their flagship inverter, the CPS 250-275, is designed to work with solar plants ranging from 2 megawatts to 2 gigawatts. The 250-275 pairs well with CPS America's exceptional data communication, controls, and energy storage solutions. Go to chintpowersystems.com to find out more.